Well, again, my name is Pastor Bill. I want to welcome you to WordServe Church. And if I have not met you, I would love to meet you. I will be right over here at the door at the end of service. And uh, I would love to hear a little bit about your story. And uh, I would love to tell you a little bit about mine. If you got time, buy me a couple, of a couple of cups of coffee. You'll get a whole big story. Uh, we are on a sermon series called I Shall Not Want. It is uh, formed on Psalm 23. <clears throat> and I always hesitate at times like this because... Like Psalms 23, that's the one that everybody knows, right? Yeah, the Lord is my shepherd. I could say that, and you could finish probably the rest of it. So what we tend to do when we have a very familiar scripture is we check out because, ah, oh, I know that one. But bear with me because we're going to look at it from the view of a shepherd. And we've been doing that through this series. If you've not been able to attend, we've covered a couple things already. Um, I've had some feedback to say, you know, I've been reading that all my life, and I never saw it that way i got to tell you, I'm the same way. The Holy Spirit reveals new things all the time. So what we've talked about so far is the shepherd and the restorer. Today, we're going to talk about the protector. Next week, the promise. If at any point you want to catch up on what you've missed, it's available on our YouTube, on our Facebook, and on our website. So there are a myriad of opportunities to see what we've been talking about. Uh, and I would also invite you to give me some feedback. Uh, I, I'm not fishing for compliments. That's not what I want. But if this has impacted you, if you have had a life lesson, if you have had an aha moment, let me know what that is, because I'm always fascinated at what the Holy Spirit is doing in this congregation. And if enough of us have a similar aha moment, that tells me there's probably a movement of the Spirit going on that we should pay attention to. So let me know what has struck you in this. Uh, see, I'm going to start using different words. Let me know what influenced you in this sermon. <laughs> <laughs> Jimmy and I had a discussion. Sometimes my word choice is not the best. I'll apologize in advance, but you know what I mean. All right. So uh, today we are talking about the protector, and we're just going to go through one verse in Psalm 23. It is Psalm 23:5, and you're thinking, Bill, how could you possibly talk for any length of time over one verse of the Bible? Well, how much time you got? I could be here all day. This is how fascinating this is to me. I promise I won't do that to you, though. But here's today's verse in Psalm 23, 5. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. These are the words of God for the people of God. And for these words, we are grateful. How many times have you read that? And how many times have you thought, what does this particular verse really mean? Now, for me, I, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Okay, I can kind of understand that. I mean, I'm not a farmer. I don't have experience with sheep, but I get the concept of a shepherd and, and all that. Makes me lie down in green pastures beside still waters. Oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I've never actually eaten grass. Well, okay, maybe uh, when I was a kid. I've, I've, I've laid down beside peaceful places. I, I can relate to that. Walk through the valley of the shadow of death. Yeah, we've done that. If you've lived any time on this earth, you've probably experienced your own shadows. I hope in that shadow you've experienced the comfort of God. That his rod and his staff that comforts me. I get that. But what's up with this? Because <laughs> when I read this, I prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. Doesn't that sound like God is gloating? Like, yeah, I'm going to put you right here, and you're going to have this little pizza party like a Chuck E. Cheese, and all your enemies are going to be surrounding you, and they're going to go, wow, I wish I could be at the table. Or I, I don't know how that works. It just doesn't sound like it's in God's character to gloat over the enemies like that. And then there's this other thing, this uh, anointing my head or uh, my head with oil. Uh, we don't do that these days. Uh, when, when was the last time you went to someone's house and they said, uh, pardon me, here's a little uh, Wesson oil. Hey, welcome to the house. 
Has that happened to anyone? Okay, because here's a word search tradition I would love to start. If for nothing else, just for the conversation that, that follows, right? And maybe a little social media post, right? Yeah, dump some oil on somebody and see what they do. But that was a common practice in, in those days. That was actually an act of hospitality, among other things. And it's among the other things that we're going to talk about today when it comes to anointing our heads with oil. But recognize that all of this is done in the context of that first line, the Lord is my shepherd. David wrote that psalm. David was a shepherd. And if David says, the Lord is my shepherd, what does that make David? Sheep. We are sheep in this context. So everything that we need to do today is to look through the concept of the sheep and what the shepherd is doing on our behalf. So when it comes to these two things, we're going to talk about two things today. We're going to talk about tables and we're going to talk about oil. But we're going to talk about oil first because it'll make sense at the end. So what is this deal with anointing my head with oil? Well, I'm reading a book that has absolutely changed my perspective on Psalm 23. Uh, thank you, Gail, again for the recommendation. The name is Philip Keller, the author. The book is called A Shepherd's Look at Psalm 23. Why is this so significant? Because Philip Keller was a no-kidding shepherd, like back in the 1970s. He actually did sheep herding for uh, over a decade and became a pastor after that experience, actually, because of his sheep herding experience. He just saw so many parallels between his everyday life and God that he became a pastor, and that's how he served uh, out the rest of his years. And it's absolutely fascinating. So what is this thing with oil? Well, believe it or not, back in the ancient days, they used to put oil on sheep's heads as well because summertime is fly time. You know this if you live in Texas, right? As soon as summer, the, the flies come out, and you're seeing a lot, of, a lot of this, a lot of aerobic activity around the dinner table, right? Yeah, and swatting those flies. So sheep have the same problem, but it's worse for sheep because, well, they don't have hands. <laughs> so uh, they, they have these flies that buzz around their head, and it pesters them, and it upsets them. But it gets worse. I don't know how gross you want me to get, but do the National Geographic sometime, and you'll see that there are actually flying animals that go up inside their nostrils and lay eggs. Yeah, and, and then those eggs hatch and bad things happen. And I'm just going to leave it at that. You can Google it if you want. But it, it really drives the sheeps, no kidding, nuts, like berserk. And if left untreated, it can actually lead to blindness in the sheep. So, so think about this. You're a sheep. you got no, no choice but these flies buzzing around your head. The, the effects that this has on the sheep, they actually will beat their heads against trees, uh, they'll shake their heads like crazy, they'll, they'll do damage to themselves to try and get away from the, the pesky flies. That's how bad it is. If they don't have anything to beat their head against, they'll just start running to try and get away from it. Well, if you're a shepherd and your goal is to keep your, your flock contained, imagine how disruptive that is. All of a sudden your sheep are just bolting in every direction. And as I've mentioned before, sheep aren't exactly high on the IQ scale. Well, if you're a sheep, and even if you don't have that happening to you, and you see your buddy bolt for no reason, you're like, I don't know, I should be afraid. You know, so you do it too, and then pretty soon the whole herd is just disorganized, and it's just a, a no-kidding goat rope. <laughs> see, I, I'm getting better. All right, so it's a sheep rope at that point. There's just frenzy in the flock. That's what happens when these flies come. Worse yet, maybe... There's also a, this thing called scab. I'm learning all kinds of things about sheep. A scab is basically a skin thing that is found on the heads and necks of sheep. 
Well, did you know uh, uh, the common way that sheep greet each other? Anybody know how they do that? High hoof. <laughs> yeah, they, they rub heads as a greeting. Well, if you got scabbed and the other one doesn't and you rub heads and you're the social butterfly of the flock, guess what? <laughs> Pretty soon the whole flock is affected by this scab. And it's not, it's not like deadly or anything. It's just super annoying. And, and again, the sheep are unrested. It, when they have that level of unrest, they don't lie down in green pastures. They don't drink still water. They don't do well because they're so preoccupied about this itchy thing on my head and I've got no opposing thumbs or hands to do anything about it. It's just a major annoyance. And the whole flock fuels that energy of unsatisfaction, of scatteredness. So what is the shepherd's solution? You never guess. They put oil on the heads of the sheep. At the first sign of any problem, they put oil on the heads of the sheep, here's a shepherd actually putting oil on the sheep. And it, it, it's amazing. Uh, it, Philip Keller did the same thing, even in the modern times. You put this oil and you rub it all over their heads, and the flies and the pests leave them alone. He said the change in the flock is immediate and noticeable. From frenzy beating their heads, to running like wild, to being scattered, to laying in that nice green pasture beside the still water. And that's what you want your sheep to do. A happy sheep is a productive sheep for whatever use you intend to use the sheep for, right? And the shepherd's job is, is much better able to be done. The shepherd that has a scattered flock has a hard time protecting that flock. As you can imagine, there are things that also like sheep that live out there. And so the more the flock is settled, the better the flock is and the better the shepherd is able to protect the flock. It's a, it's a vicious cycle, right? And it all starts because of a pesky little fly. Do you catch the spiritual ramifications of this? I can't tell you how many times in the church environment, it's not the major issues that separate us, that give us pause, that give us harm. It's the pesky little things. It's the pesky little things that get left unchecked and then begin to spread around the herd. And pretty soon, you've got people beating their heads against the wall. Anybody been there? Pretty soon, you've got people that are scattered, just run. I don't know where I'm running. I'm just running, because I want to run. Where are you going? I don't know. I just got to get out of here. But there's a whole population of people that has recently been classified as de-churched. Now, these people know Jesus. They know church. They've been to church, but they've been de-churched because of an experience that they've had there. And I bet you that experience was not a major argument over doctrine in most cases. I bet that experience was not uh, some other major blow-up that happened. I bet it started with a fly, and that fly caused the herd to experience an energy that was non-productive. So why don't we put oil on our heads? I think that's a great question. So uh, as we put the oil on the heads here, <clears throat> This is the result. This is what it looks like if we have the oil on our heads. Now, now practically speaking, that's not possible unless you want to start the, the modern word serve trend of pouring oil on our heads. Spiritually, though, what is the oil that we're talking about? What are we anointed with as Jesus followers? The Holy Spirit. There you go. So we're looking for an anointing of the Holy Spirit. We're looking for a way to get that Holy Spirit in us and on us. But here's the other thing, and this is, this is Philip Keller. This isn't me, but I just found it so 
on target. He said, you know, uh, the other thing that's interesting, it's not just disease and pests. In mating season, the rams get very aggressive. And if you've ever seen the National Geographic specials, they're spectacular. They rear up and boom. And you can hear that, that skull echo over the canyon. Uh, I mean, they are like going to town, which also upsets the flock a little bit and, of course, causes some damage potentially to some of your prize rams. So he said every time when mating season was <laughs> approaching, he would take very thick grease and put it on the heads of just the rams, and they would rear up, and they would go, pew! <laughs> and he said it was so comical to watch because they're like, oh, yeah, it's on, it's on. And they would just stand there like, what just happened? Uh, that's not the way that's supposed to work. And they were so confused and un unsettled by what happened, they're like, oh, I, I don't know. what. And they would just go on about their way. So every, every mating season, he would rub this grease on their heads. And you know what this is about, because we do this all the time in the modern era. What's happening right here? Getting greased up for a fight. Absolutely. Do you know where they put that? Right over the eyes. You'll see them put it really thick right over the nose, because it kind of sticks out there, right? You don't want to get a cut over your eye when you're in a fight, because the blood will go into your eye, and then you can't fight anymore. And what they're doing is they're making the punches not stick. They're going to slide right off so the fight can continue because you pay good money to see people pummel each other, and by golly, you, are, you deserve a good fight. <laughs> right? You never want to get punched dry. They kind of stick, they cut, they bleed. It's just, it's not good. Don't get punched dry. What did you learn at church today? Don't get punched dry. Yeah. So, so that's why they do this, exactly why they do the same thing with us. I wonder if we put an extra dose of Holy Spirit on us, and as we have these conflicts, we just glance off each other. Man, what would that flock look like? Wouldn't that be awesome? We want, or maybe we should have a, a station as you come in the door, and, and you come in the door like this, like, and they, they do the, the stuff all over, and they, they check, you know, I'm not carrying any weapons, you know, all that stuff. I mean, that would be an interesting church to attend. And then the bell goes, bing, and service starts. And no, we're not going to do that. But, but the point is, I think sometimes we, we, we punch each other dry. And if you think about the ramifications of this whole disease thing and the way that the sheep transmit this, it's rubbing our heads together that does it most often. I mean, I don't want to really see a show of hands, but I'll bet you haven't been physically beaten at church. But I'll almost guarantee to 100% you've been emotionally beaten at church. And if you haven't, you probably will be. I'm sorry. That, that is the nature of humans. That's not the nature of Christ, and I want to make that clear. If you've been harmed, ask yourself, was it by another person, or was it by Jesus Christ or the Holy Spirit? And I've almost 100% guarantee that it's a person. It's not Christ. My encouragement to us this morning is let's not give up on this Christ thing, even if we've been emotionally beaten. Let's put some Vaseline on, and let's glance off that, and let's keep going. Let's put some oil, some Holy Spirit in and on us. And if we do that long enough and through enough, what happens when you're soaked in the Holy Spirit? What's the result of that? The fruit of the Spirit. Could you use a little gentleness, peace, joy, patience, self-control? Man, I sure could. Uh, Jimmy drove with me yesterday. He, he's seen a little bit of my tendencies. Uh, I didn't say anything bad, did I? Terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Some... Okay, sometimes I drive like I fly, but uh, anyway. <laughs> he, 
he's still alive. He, used to, he said Jesus' name a lot yesterday, but um, <laughs> not, not as much as me. <laughs> he prayed a prayer of protection for like a solid 25 minutes, and that was just one way. Yeah, so, all right, so going on. So, so here's my question for you. How do we keep that Holy Spirit? How do we keep this on the head so that we're glancing off the, the things that we do to each other and focusing on what's important? Well, yesterday I got a, a new lesson, uh, uh, among others. I learned what a cow rub is. Do you know what a cow rub is? I didn't know. I had no clue. I know now. I'm intimately familiar. Here's what a cow rub is. It looks like this. We went out to a, a brother in our church's house who has cattle and needed a little help with some of the things around his house. And one of the things we did was to replace the cow rub. The cow rub is that thing that looks like a, the, the white thing. It's draped over a gate, and it's soaked in chemicals that the cows need to prevent flies and disease and other things. And if they want to get to the green pasture, they have no choice but to walk under that. And as they do, this cow rub literally rubs right down their spine and transmits all the chemicals that they need to be bug-free, disease-free. I think it's genius. You just soak it in the chemicals, and it stays out there all the time. So rather than the, the shepherd, in this case, the, you don't call them shepherds, herder, thank you. <laughs> rather than the herder, what's that? Cattlemen, yeah, there you go. <laughs> Rather than them track down every one of these animals and try to administer this medicine, it's there all the time, 24-7, always available. So why wouldn't some of the cows get it? Because they don't go through the cow rub, because they don't go to the green pastures, because maybe they're more happy in their, their little desolate place that has no food and no water, but by golly, it's my place. That pride might keep me from experiencing a dose of the Holy Spirit. It might keep me out of the cow rub. And then I don't get that dose. I don't get that thing that transforms my mind. What if we made a deliberate effort to find the Holy Spirit every day? See, because we need to renew that dose of the Holy Spirit if that's going to work. Just like a fighter in between rounds, they'll, they'll doctor that up a little bit, right? We need to renew that. Now, you're thinking, Bill, why... If the Holy Spirit is the Holy Spirit, why do we need to renew that? I thought that was like a constant 24-7 available thing. Well, it is. It's not the Holy Spirit that needs renewing. It's us that need renewing in the Holy Spirit. It's our connection that's faulty, not his connection. We need to find the cow rub in your life. So the two things that you learned at church so far are don't get punched dry and find your cow rub. There you go. Amen. Let's go home, right? <laughs> but wait, there's more. All right. So, so uh, what I, I love this verse here. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's what the Holy Spirit can do for us. As hard as I try of my own will to look more like Jesus Christ, I fail. I failed today. Uh, Bill, you're a pastor. Yeah, I know. Now, I'm not saying it's egregious. I'm not saying that the police are going to storm in the door and take me away, but I am not always the most Christ-like person, but I strive to be. And what this does is it gives me the opportunity to say, okay, I blew that one, but I'm not blowing the next one. I'm going to go through my cow rub, put a dose of the Holy Spirit on. I'm going to let this thing glance off of me, and I'm going to keep going. Because I don't know if you know this, but we've got a mission. It's to make disciples, and that mission is vital to this world and the next, by the way. It's too important to let it slow us down because of a fly. 
Can't you imagine the enemy rejoicing? Ha <laughs> ha, one single fly, I derailed their plan. Doesn't that sound ridiculous? But if you think about it, isn't that what happens every day? It's ridiculous. So transitioning then, we talked about oil, we talked about anointing, let's talk about uh, the preparing a table in the presence of my enemies. Philip Keller tells a wonderful story about the best pasture, sometimes is a, a high mountain plateau. Because if you think about it, it you don't want to be up there in the winter. Nobody wants to be up there in the winter. Uh, it's just not a good place to be. But what happens when springtime comes and the altitude is high enough? They don't have those pests. And those pests don't carry those diseases. And that field that has been left alone for a long period of time is lush and green and is some of the best grazing of all. The problem is you have to get there. But what it is, is it's a high plateau. There's a name for the high plateau. It's called a mesa. Now, anybody know what mesa means? Table. So what David the shepherd is talking about, what Philip Keller the shepherd is talking about when he talks about that high plateau or the sheep graze in the best of conditions is a table, a mesa. Now, those things don't just happen. The shepherds actually do some recon beforehand. They'll, they'll find uh, the place that they want to go, and before they take the sheep up there, which means probably still while it's winter and cold and nasty, they're up there scouting. What's the best way to get here? What's the way that I can provide water and grass and everything on the way? What are the obstacles that I need to overcome? Can I get the water flowing again so my sheep will have something to drink? Are there poisonous weeds that I need to pick now before they come throughout the whole pasture and pretty soon my sheep are sick and diseased because of the, the weeds that they eat? So the, the shepherd, while it's still nasty, will go and make several trips and make ready the mesa. He will make ready the table. Now, interesting thing about a table, a high mountain plateau that's in the middle of nowhere, uh, it's pretty visible. Like, it's a beautiful thing. I mean, look at you can see for miles, but guess what else can see for miles? Animals who like sheep. They're delicious, right? So your enemies are going to see you. They're, you're out in the open. So not only does a shepherd have to provide the food and the water and the non-poisonous plants, he has to provide protection as well. So maybe as a part of that high mesa, they're up there scouting out where they're going to circle up the sheep at night, where they're going to lay down at the gate and keep them safe, just like we hear about in the story of the good shepherd. So the interesting thing about this is somebody has to prepare that table. And it's right in the heart of the enemy. They know you're going to be there. Somebody has to go away from the sheep. Now, if you're a sheep and you see your shepherd who you depend on every day, like that shepherd represents my provision. That's where I get my food. That's where I get my water. That's where I get my oil. <laughs> However you want to do it. And now all of a sudden he's gone. Uh, that's kind of the un unresting to me. I, I, that's disturbing to me. A and if you put it in that context, he's going to prepare this high table for you. And then what's he going to do? He's just going to wait for you to show up there? Now he's going to come back and he's going to get you and he's going to take you there. Does this make any difference in Jesus' words when he says, I go to prepare a place for you, that where I am, you may be also. And I will not leave you like orphans. I will come back and I will bring you to the place where I am. That's what Jesus is talking about. He's the great shepherd. He would know that above all. He knows exactly what he's doing. He's preparing that high table. Now, the, the other thing that Philip Keller said was, you always have to be on the watch for the, the predators. He said he had a cougar encounter one time. There was a cougar somewhere in his territory, and he lost sheep to it. 
And here's the, the ironic thing. He never saw the cougar. He never saw it. But what he did see was the results of the cougar as it began to decimate his flock. Now, here's a spiritual parallel that ought to blow us away. If you believe in an actual Satan or not, it doesn't matter. And why does it matter? Because you can see the results of an actual Satan. You may never see the enemy. You may never see a fly, but you can see the results of them everywhere. Look at the relationship. Look at the country. Look at all the discourse, the distress that we have. Whether you believe one's real or not, it doesn't matter. The results are real. It's out there. Now, same thing could be said about the enemy, but the same thing can be said about God. So if anybody is here doubting this morning because you can't see God, yeah, I, I'll admit to you, I have never seen God, but I've seen what God can do. I've never encountered God in person, but I've seen what he has done in my life, in the life of this congregation, in the life of others. So is he real or not? Oh, yeah, he's real, because you can see. And if you can't see him, you can certainly see the results. So the things we need to focus on this morning, a couple of questions that I have for you. One is, how will you continually renew the Holy Spirit's anointing? What is that cow rub for you, to put it in plain English? Where do you go to get that dose renewed? Understanding that the Holy Spirit is available 24-7. It never goes away, but our connection needs to be daily, if not by minute by minute. How will you do that? Is it scripture? Is it prayer? Is it a community group? Is it a soaking service? Is it all the above? Whatever it is, you need to decide that today. And I challenge you, try it just once a day for a month. And then let me know how that goes, if that makes a difference, if you have more glancing blows in your life, if you have less dry punches. Right? The second one, will you come to the table? See, somebody has gone to great trouble to make that table, that mesa, available to us. Somebody uh, paid a great cost to get to that. And it is so important to Jesus that he said, I, I go to prepare a place for you. It is so important to them. He says this, if you are offering your gift at an altar and remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar first. Go and be reconciled to that person. Then come offer your gift. See, that table doesn't just represent a sit-down meal. A table represents the reconciliation of the human race. That's Jesus' objective. It, it, it never ceases to fascinate me how a Christian will say, well, I've got this issue with this other person, so I'm just going to avoid them. What are we practicing for there? Because I, I don't know if you know this, but when we sit down at this table, that other person, if they're a fellow believer in Christ, is going to be sitting right across from you. Then what are you going to do? Are we practicing for heaven, that we reconcile, that we come together, or are we practicing for someplace else by avoiding, by unforgiveness, by bitterness, by strife, by envy, by pride, by all the things that attempt to separate us? We're not practicing for heaven, folks. If we're not practicing for heaven, we've missed the boat. The thing that happens at this table is uh, that Jesus <laughs> started all this. And Jesus paid a tremendous cost for this. We don't know what this costs. 
Jesus knows exactly what it costs. He knew exactly what it cost in that moment of that Last Supper when he broke the bed saying, this is going to be my body. This is going to be my blood poured out for you. He knew exactly what that cost was going to be. And he did it anyway. That always blows me away. Why would you do that? Because there is no greater love. And because he first loved us, that empowers us to love like he does. We love because he first loved us. We love him, and because of that, we can then love neighbor. And then we can experience the fullness of the kingdom, and we can experience life abundant, or as we say at WordServe, that's how life is different. Find your cow rub. Avoid the dry punches. But whatever you do, come and have a seat at this table. That is the ultimate goal. That is heaven. Will you pray with me, please?